Hello and welcome to The Heart of It, the podcast that gets to the heart of what we do and why we do it. I'm your host, writer and author Kate Sevilla, and each week I'll be taking a closer look at the working lives of passionate and creative people. I am very excited about this episode, as not only is it our very first episode, we also have a spectacular guest, Rebecca Vincent. Rebecca is a highly sought-after tattoo artist and illustrator who has a really personal and unique style to her art. If you've ever scrolled through her Instagram, where she's known as Rebecca Vincent Tattoo, or read her book called Tiny Tattoos, you know she has a passion for nature and botanicals and a great love for paleontology and the Natural History Museum. In our chat, we talk about the myths around being an artist, running her business in a pandemic, and how she looks after her emotional and mental energy at work. Plus, of course, we talk about what's ultimately at the heart of her artwork. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Thank you for asking me. Of course. I'm so, so excited to talk to you about your work. Um, And what I found so interesting about your career as I was reading in your book, Tiny Tattoos, that you only became a tattoo artist around seven years ago. And in my head, you had been doing this since you were like 11 years old. (laughs) I wish. But I I thought that was so interesting because you said that you had studied or you did you did a lot of artwork like in university and you kind of left it. And then when you had your daughter, you started drawing more again. And then you decided to become a tattoo artist. So I would love to know kind of what were you doing before you went into tattooing? Okay, so actually I did art at college, which is when you're like 16 to 18, and I failed it. So I didn't draw probably for about nearly 10 years after that because I just thought, well, I can't draw, which is so ridiculous because I believe art is subjective. In my eyes, you can't really fail art because everything is a creation and everything is art to the person. But at the time I was just, well, I can't do it. So I just just didn't even, it just fell out of my brain. I just didn't even think of any artistic course my life could go on because it just wasn't an option to me at the time. So I did bar work for like 10 years, which was, it was awesome. Like I got to put live music on, I got to like put DJs on, I got to DJ a little bit. And I mean that in the loosest term possible, like play, crossfade, (laughs) but it was still fun. Um, But it was only actually after I had my daughter that I realized that I still had this kind of like creativeness inside me. And I really just wanted to draw. And just after her, that's when I kind of fell in love with it again, or kind of not that I fell out of love with it. It just kind of came to me again, because I hadn't even thought of it as an option before. That's so interesting that you, you say that you failed at college and felt like you had kind of failed at art. Was it so bad that you felt like you couldn't even pick up a pen and doodle? Did it just feel like a complete like, well, I'm no good at that and that's done? I think I was having a really delicate time in my life at that moment as well. So my parents had split up just before my exams. And I think that was definitely something that was a huge presence, obviously, in my life. So just failing that subject was just like, sure. And it just didn't, there wasn't even a morning to it. It was just a closed door to me because I was like, well, you know, that's how it is. But I was young and I was, there was a lot going on and you have to kind of find it yourself. I think I wish I could go back and just be like, you know, slap around the face. Come on. But you just, but at the time I just, yeah, it just didn't even occur to me that that was an option. Yeah. It's so sad thinking back because I, I do think that like, oh God, don't get me wrong. I'm so 
into where my life is and I'm really happy with my career and, and things, but I just wonder how far along it, it would be further along or it would just be a little bit different if I'd carried on, but maybe I wouldn't have found tattooing. So that's something I think yeah. about a lot, actually. No, I, I really, um, I connect with that because I always struggle with this idea that if you're an artist or you're you're a writer in particular, if you're a writer, you must write mm. and you are always writing and you're always creating and it's just, you cannot keep it inside you. And that has not been my experience. <laughs> I My psychology has been really good at just suppressing yes. lots of things that I love <laughs> and that I'm interested in. And it's like for years and years and years, my brain went, no. You mustn't write. That's not for you. You're not a writer. You don't need to be doing that all the time. And then, you know, last year I could write almost like 100,000 words for the book that I wrote in a matter of months. And I had never done that before. And I think that kind of relationship and that kind of myth around artists and how creation should work is, is so false, really. But that's ridiculous, isn't it? Because you shouldn't feel that you have to create to justify yourself as an artist but then there's just this universal pressure I think we put on ourselves that we must be seen to be creating because that validates us as being artists but then that makes you create rubbish stuff if that's not how you work so it's it's really interesting especially at this time as well like seeing how creative people are kind of adapting to this new world in a way that kind of suits them rather than feeling that they have to be so prolific and just keep you know creating yeah, that pressure is is so interesting because I think it's just, it's just a lie. Like creativity, yeah. <laughs> I think, and productivity in particular exists on a spectrum. And if you work creatively and you're not feeling productive, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's with like with writing, and I'm sure it must be the same with art. It's like if you're not in the mood to do oh it, my God, if yeah. you are not at the right time of day or yeah. when you know that you're not, there's no point at sitting at your desk or hovering over a blank sheet of paper and just beating yourself up waiting Absolutely. for it to come out because it's not going to happen, particularly under these weird circumstances at the moment. Like I can barely read. No, oh, I know. But then sometimes you'll get like an urge at like one in the morning. I will get this urge where I'm just like, oh, I just, oh, I'm going to draw. And it's like the most ridiculous time, but that's fine. <laughs> it's just like, it's, you're yeah. so right. You can't like schedule yourself to be like, right, at five o'clock on Tuesday, I'm going to paint an amazing picture. It really, it just does not work that way for me at all. My brain is just not wired that way. No, neither is mine. And that's why I hate those those articles that you read that are like, this um, Silicon Valley CEO gets up at five <laughs> o'clock in the morning and does 1,000 push-ups. Or like the ones for women are even worse where it's like oh. she gets up at 4.30, she runs a marathon and then oh has my three edamame beans and then no. breastfeeds her child. And, the, you know, it's just like, <laughs> it's just not, those routines do not equal success or good art or no. good writing or a good no. company. I don't have a routine <laughs> at all. I think my routine no. is not having a routine. You know what? And if that works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. I think the, whole, the myth around routines is um, I think it really depends on you and it depends on your household. And it's such a privilege to have a routine. Imagine having a life where you can absolutely have a routine that's the same every day. Like great for you, but that's not real life. That's not real life. No. I have a child and a dog's. Um, just to kind of bring it back to to your own artwork, what I thought was interesting is the kind of connection that you were talking about between um, having your daughter 
and kind of having this new wave of creativity or a way that you maybe allowed your creativity to come back. And the artwork that you do itself is very um, inspired by nature. And I think that you wrote in your book that um, when you were younger, you would do a lot of nature drawing and you were very inspired by nature. And I just think it's interesting. I see this, this you as a little girl doing all this kind of wonderful nature drawing, and then that kind of goes away. And then when you have your daughter, you have this kind of outburst of of creativity again. And You've just blown my mind. Did you see my face? And I was like, oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. You're so right. I've never even thought of that. Like I would draw constantly as a child. And even while we're doing this, my daughter at the moment is drawing. Like she has that same, like it's constant. God, I never thought of that because it just went away. And honestly, as soon as I had Rosie, I couldn't stop drawing. Like I could not stop. It was crazy. It was like being a kid again. Oh my God. (laughs) Where do you think that 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 connection to nature came from as when you were a little girl, did you spend a lot of time outdoors or? Well, I was born in Brighton, actually. I was at, uh, born in Brighton, but when I was three, we, um, we went to Rotherham, South Yorkshire. But in the time that I was in Brighton, my mum would take me rock pooling all the time. And there's an incredible museum called the Booth Museum that she would take me mm. to. And that has dinosaurs or like fossils. And it absolutely I can still have memories being that young there and going in it absolutely blew my mind and then she took me to the natural history museum in London and that even now even today still it's just the most exciting place for me like it really you know I don't know my knuckles say dinosaur like I love (laughs) paleontology (laughs) so much and it comes from that kind of fascination as a child like you know dinosaurs are monsters but they were real like what do you know I mean it was just it was awesome and through going to these museums opening up that world of like natural history it's still as exciting to me now as it was then and definitely something that I translate massively into my tattooing. I've actually tattooed paleontologists who work at the Natural History Museum. That's like my coolest claim to fame. That's like the highest accolade. It's just, well, if you want one. Is that like your favorite thing that you've done? Oh my God, yes. Fossils are actually my favorite things to tattoo. We go to like Lyme Regis and we go fossil hunting as well. Like my house is full of bones and fossils because they're just, it's just treasure. It's like, it's actual treasure for me. Oh, I love that. Does, does this someone come in and they're like, I don't know what I should get? And you're like, fossils. Have you considered a fossil? <laughs> Just slide an ammonite picture across them, like, oh, hello. hello? <laughs> and then what about this bone? <laughs> oh, my God. But they, but what I'm really lucky with my customers because I have been tattooing for a few years and I do have a theme, I guess. People kind of gravitate towards that now. So when people message me and ask me for work, it's 99.9% stuff that I would definitely do because they've seen what kind of things I do. But it definitely attracts like a a really varied audience because everybody loves nature. Everybody loves dinosaurs and fossils. That's just fascinating to everyone, surely. (laughs) (laughs) It must be. It is to me. But what really struck me was when I was kind of scrolling through your Instagram feed, it felt really emotional to me. Like your work seems very um, emotive. And I was trying to figure out if if it's just the artwork or if it's the exact placement on the body that the artwork is on like is it that combination or is it really that the story or the the reason behind the tattoo kind of flows through to the artwork well I have the most amazing custom base and I have a lot of returning customers 
and I do a lot of first tattoos and a lot of first tattoos have a really emotional reasoning behind them more so than say your 10th one because if you're going to start collecting them you kind of realize that it, it can just be decoration it doesn't necessarily have to mean anything but it can always mean something it's nice so when doing that you're kind of giving somebody something that's part of a healing process or a memory or something for themselves and and that can be a very emotional session and there's there's definitely many times where like they're crying I've cried like it's it is a very intimate experience so if that's coming across that's wonderful because that's actually genuinely how how it is is it ever too much do you ever get the customers that are just too much like can it be the opposite kind of like an energy drain at the same time or does that kind of not happen with with um the folks that you see well definitely this is the thing it's like it can be and and not draining in a in like a like a like a negative way. It's just you're, it's tiring because you're kind of with that person for like a couple of hours, and it can be really intimate and really kind of like emotional. And so there you go. And then perhaps my next customer that will be a similar thing. But that's all just that's just part of the process, and that's something that I feel honoured for people to share those things with me as well. I think it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And if somebody feels that they can share stuff, that's an honor, I think. And I think tattoo artists should recognize that as well. Like you're, th- this person is choosing you to put something on them for the rest of their lives. And it means a lot to them. It could be a memorial tattoo. It could be birth flowers. It could be a wedding bouquet. So I live an hour away from where I work, which means I have an hour's train ride before work and an hour's train ride after work. And I and I use that time to kind of just, just be quiet, just not even not not on my phone, not even reading a book, just kind of sitting with myself because it can be tiring. But when I come home, I want to be mum and wife and woo, I want to kind of still be myself. So having that hour, I think is I'm lucky in that respect because I can kind of just gather my thoughts. Yeah. I think I think that the what's been so interesting, I think for for your industry is is social media. What's your relationship like? with social media and and how that kind of intersects with your business. So it's really interesting because all my social medias, I do have Twitter, but that's more for the awful politics that's going on right now. But for, for me, Instagram is my main uh, social media and I use it just for work. So I have a different relationship with social media in that respect because I need it for work as opposed to it just being something I do for fun. So it's been awesome. It's literally how I get all of my work, but it also means that I can share things that mean a lot to me as well. I think when people follow me, they kind of know which way I lean politically, which is what I want from that. So (laughs) I hate the Tories. I'll never stop saying that. I'll never stop shouting for social justice. And also you can get a flowery tattoo as well (laughs) as part of it. And, and, you know, people follow me and then they quickly unfollow me when they realize that's what it's about. And that's absolutely fine. You don't want those people coming in to try to get a tattoo. They're like, can I just get a massive Union Jack that says no, Britain first with no. a flower on it? <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, if, if we don't agree, that's fine. I don't want to, you know, I just I just have the thing where like, don't be addicted to people. And if you are addicted to people, then I don't want to tattoo you. Um, and this probably says more about me than it does about you. But one of my thoughts when I was reading your book and I was like, Oh my god like you've you've provided people with so many different options and tattoos and I one of the thoughts I had was if this were me and I were an artist and I was drawing a thousand suggestions of tattoos in a book 
I would be worried about people then copying my work and not getting credit for it. <laughs> Is no. that something that you worried about or kind of had to consider? That's no, that's tattoo. Get them all tattooed. Um, I didn't draw all of them. I drew, I drew a lot of them, but I sat with people and we kind of like, they show me something and I'd be like, that wouldn't really work. So we change certain bits. So I can't take credit for drawing a thousand. I wish I could be like, yes, I drew a thousand images, but I did sit and did, <laughs> I did a lot actually. You did, but the, but the books there to use as as flash. So something when something is flash, that's um, images that it can be used by anybody. See, that's so nice. I'm like, don't use my work. No, <laughs> lots of people, <laughs> lots of people, and in fact, actually, the old school tattooing, so more traditional tattoos, would that you know, Sailor Jerry. I'm sure you've heard of him. His images are used everywhere, like everywhere still, and. There's things that I will draw and I'll specifically say this is flash. So it can be drawn by other people. But if I draw something for somebody specifically, that's for them. Do you, is that something that ever crosses your mind on social when you're sharing, um, you know, your favorite pieces of work? Does it ever occur to you? You're like, someone could take this and then take it to some other person. They could do it. Or are you just kind of like, you'll never do it as good as me, whatever. No, I'll never be like that. If it happens, it happens. Tattooists shouldn't really copy other people's work without permission. Mm. But sometimes I'll get an email from somebody in, say, America, and they'll be like, I can't come and get tattooed by you. So can I take this drawing and get it done? And I'm like, yes, that's something that I will say yes to. Not everybody will, and I totally respect that. But, yeah, it's, it's down to the individual artist. Just don't be a dick. <laughs> that's the, again. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. When we were talking before about protecting your kind of energy and having that transition between work and home. And obviously this year has been quite heavy. Um, how do you look after yourself at work? How do you kind of look after your own, your own well-being, your own mental health um, at work and particularly when you work for yourself? I am so lucky to work with people that are so open about their own mental health that it is regular discussions that we have at work. It's a very very positive environment for that. I mean, a lot of creatives do suffer from anxiety and depression. I actually had really quite bad postnatal depression after my daughter. And then I'd say the last couple of years, I've started having anxiety, not attacks, because that sounds very harsh, but I can, you know, def definitely feeling anxiety. And I think that's nothing but natural in the world that we live in, and especially this year. So it's been a lot, but to be around people that you can openly say this to or to have a family that you can openly speak about things to has been priceless because everybody feels shit now and again and it's absolutely fine and it's natural but it's how you kind of move on from that point and how the people around you support you from that point. Yes I think that there's a the kind of cultural conversation societal conversation around mental health is very much like it's okay to have these feelings you should tell someone but they don't really kind of foster the the next steps what does that look like okay you've told your best friend that you're suffering from you know postnatal depression mm -hmm. but how do people respond to that how do they help you how do you ask for help because it's one thing to say i'm having a hard time it's another thing to say I'm having a really difficult time mm -hmm. and I need this mm -hmm. or it would be wonderful if you could help me with this. Mm -hmm. I think that's the really hard part. Of course, saying it out loud is is hard, but I think it's the kind of next steps of asking for kind of what you need or how you can support your friends. That's even more important. Absolutely. And I think also we have to remember as well that 
therapy, there's huge waiting lists. So if you wanted to go private, it's expensive as well. So it comes down to privilege. And I mean, I don't know if you've had therapy. I've had therapy. I was very fortunate. I've been in psychotherapy for six and a half years. So oh, of I'm course. Good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know that as soon as you speak about it, it, you don't feel better straight away. If a lot of the times you could feel worse because you're unlocking a lot of things inside you. So it's being prepared or having the kind of information out there to kind of let you know kind of what to expect your emotional roller coaster will be like because that's essentially what it is and that a lot of the time it doesn't go away you just learn to kind of deal with it or you learn to you know minimize it which which is great which is perfect but it's knowing what to expect I think you're right and I think yes the conversation about mental health is out there amazing but I don't think all the information's out there yeah um with this year being a creative how has this, because I know usually on online, I mean, you book months and months and months in advance from a business perspective. What has this year been like for you? And how has it maybe changed the way you might do things in the future going forward? Like, have you had like a perspective change with the way you were doing something before? Or do you just miss everything about the way that it was before? Um. So yeah, I book nine months in advance so thanks lockdown no (laughs) I say that I agree with the lockdowns I think I'm not you know so I I moved every customer to next year so over this year the course of earlier this year I moved them to next year because I thought there might be some more disruption and I was right everybody has been so wonderful they've just been so patient so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to work extra days when I'm allowed to and fit them in um I just miss them I think, you know, I I get so much out of my day tattooing. It's not just I can draw something. It's that kind of interaction. I I love it so much. And so that was something that really freaked me out at the thought of the first lockdown happening. So I started doing draw sessions every week over my Instagram that initially started out that I would show how to draw a tattoo that I did. And it just exploded. And we did 17 weeks in a row. It was incredible. And now we do it on Zoom. But that meant that selfishly for me as well, I was still getting that interaction from people because initially at first it was customers, but now it's like customers' parents and it's people, oh my gosh, it's so, I always gush about it. I don't care because they're incredible. Like there's so many people from all over the world and we'll get on Zoom together and we'll draw for an hour together and they choose what they want to draw. So it's completely led by them. So it's not my idea anymore. Like I'll be like, what do you want to draw? And we'll do a, a poll or whoever, you know, whatever was suggested most. And people are like drawing in LA, Norway, Chile, and they've kind of all become this community and they've all started, they all made friends on the internet and they all speak to each other. It is, it's so oh, that's amazing, awesome. Like it's so cool. And it's, older people, younger people, I'll see families. It's just, it's ace. It makes me really emotional as you want to think about it because they helped my head so much through this lockdown. Like they gave my week structure. They kept me drawing. And also through that, my drawing style changed because I was breaking down everything so much to to show people that I was thinking, oh, I'm, I'm doing that wrong. And so I changed that. And so it's actually developed my art style as well. And they're all amazing. Like they all think like, Oh, I can't draw. And then three sessions later, they're better than me. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I need to slow this down. Actually. This is, <laughs> you're advancing too quickly. <laughs> oh, that is, that's actually really good. 
Shit. That's wonderful, though, because did you have that moment when you were like, okay, my job is literally to touch people and we're not allowed to do that. So how did the kind of evolution of the draw sessions happen? Was it kind of like an immediate, oh, I could do this? Or did you kind of have to like breathe in a bag for a bit and then go, oh, wait, I do have other avenues that I can go down with this? No, I did it straight away, straight away. Amazing. The the first, the Friday was the lockdown. On the Sunday, I did my first, my first session. I was so nervous. This is why I'm fine talking to you now because I'd never really done stuff like this before, but I was so nervous. And I was like, right, you get your pencil. And I'm like shaking. (laughs) I'm just like, oh no, I've done that wrong. Don't copy that bit. Don't copy that bit. And like rubbing it out again. And then obviously like a few in, you're just like, right. Okay. Um, So it was over Instagram live at first, which was good because it meant that there was no limit to people, but then I started getting trolled. But I do think that that is a sign that you've made it a little bit. It was, it wasn't, it's just, but I don't mind that usually, but sometimes they would swear and I knew that kids were watching. So I kind of said to people like, if you see anything inappropriate, just flood the feed with emojis, but it was just getting a bit stressful. So then I moved it to Zoom, which is amazing because I can see them all. No one's going to troll me because it's a lot of hoops to jump through to get that Zoom kind of code. Yes. Oh, it's so good. And they're just, they're so they're so funny. Oh, it's this <laughs> the last one. One because we have I have to mute them all, obviously, because there's a hundred of them, but there's like a chat in the corner. And one girl was like, Oh, I moved to America and I can see my mum's on here back in England. Like, hi mum. And they were like talking. Oh, that's so lovely. I'm like weeping, like, oh, this is great. So great. You know, they're great. What a wonderful community. Oh, they're just great. But they've created that. This is they've done that. They're in control of it because they choose the subject matter and I wouldn't do them if people didn't want to do them. So they're, it's like a co-op, I guess, in a way, like a collective. Yes. That's so wonderful. And am I right that when you're, you're starting to use other artists as well in your next draw sessions? I am. Yes. So what I want to do is kind of just mix it up a little bit because I want to learn to draw some things as well. So I've kind of, again, I asked people what, who they wanted to see and they've tagged a few artists. So I'm going to kind of do it where, um, myself and whoever it is will not be on mute and, and I'll be asking them questions as well about like just a little bit of an interview as well let's just be a bit different a bit fun yeah that's really cool I'm excited um when you talk about what you do you obviously have the the job title tattoo artist or what, what how did like how do you describe what it is that you do if someone's like hi Rebecca nice to meet you what do you do do you just kind of go yep I'm a tattoo artist or do you feel more that you're you're an artist and that your kind of chosen medium is skin I know I say tattoo artist I'm really proud to be a tattoo artist it's 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 a trade for sure and it's hard <laughs> it was hard it's easier now so I, I tattoo artist I would say because I think tattooing is how I've become an artist because I'd just not considered it after the failing of my A-level. So I think if you are a tattoo artist, you are an artist for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I think more people are kind of understanding that now. Like I can't think of anything harder than having to draw something where you can't fuck up. <laughs> no. Oh my God. So when you first start tattooing, that is so you saw me with the pencil on like the live stream well that's just a bit of paper so you're just like oh my god (laughs) like it's just but then it goes and I don't remember when that feeling went like I remember my um my first boss Mick Miller said to me that when he first started tattooing he used to pray that the customer would never turn up 
And I <laughs> understood that completely because you're just like, don't show up don't show up. But now if they don't show up, you're really angry. You're just like, where are they? Yeah. Especially if you book them in nine months in advance. <laughs> I know. No, I don't. I mean, at the moment, people had obviously recently people were canceling completely fairly because it's a bit, well, it's, it's a weird world out there. So I don't really get it a lot. But yeah, I don't remember that transition of um, being terrified to just being right, let's go. It just happened. Yeah, I can only imagine um, how terrifying that must have been to begin with. Well, I'm just like I'm dyslexic as well, so I don't do script, I don't do writing. Thank God. <laughs> like the thought of that. Ooh, no. That's a bit hard to explain. No. Isn't it? Yes. Like we're just gonna Did you want a fossil? <laughs> oh, let's just put a fossil over this. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so with with this year, and obviously you to this brilliant transition um into doing these draw sessions and I remember seeing on your feed as well that you've drawn um, biscuits. I think it's uh, Claire Owens cakes that you drew some biscuits for her. And they were these beautiful, yes. like um, hexagonal sort of biscuits. And so is that, and I think you said that you're going to start doing coasters. Like what are your new projects that you're working on? Oh my gosh. So one of my daughter's school friend's parents is an incredible still life artist. She's called Joe Barrett. She is insane and her friend Claire did these cake uh, biscuits and she was asked, looking for artists to draw on and she was like oh do you want to do it like oh my god yes and it was so fun and basically the um the pen was uh food coloring so you could just draw all the I drew florals basically and so I shared them and then everyone was like you should do coasters you should do tiles so now I'm looking to do coasters and tiles <laughs> See, it's always led by them. I would never have thought of that. Had they not been like, you should do this. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, no, okay, yes, yes, I will, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, but that's great though. I think that's yes. such a benefit of having a community like you have and a following oh, yeah. like you have because you don't have to kind of question the demand. No, yeah. They're saying, we want this. And you can yeah. go, okay, well, I guess I can create it. But yeah. I can't tell you how excited I am that you're going to do tiles because oh, I my. love tiles. <laughs> People love tiles. I didn't know that was a thing, but yes, I'm uh, absolutely. That's why I'm. Uh, so I'm really again because of the people I tattoo. I kind of put the feelers out, and I. One of my most favorite customers, Josie. Um, she works with a lot of like homeware stuff, so she's given me some contacts to speak to. So my customers again help me. I was like, oh, thank you. All I have to do is literally it. draw a flower and send it off, and then it's created. It's it's amazing. Um. So I think we've had even some revelations around um, nature and um, being a young girl and where your inspiration comes from um, and this beautiful sort of emotive exchange between yourself and your customers. And obviously you are an artist, but the, the title of this podcast is The Heart of It. Um, so what ultimately do you feel is at the heart of what it is that you do? My daughter, 100%. She has totally turned me into a better person I can't even describe it I can't articulate it so everything since her has been inspired by her whether she realizes it or not like she made me remember that creativeness again which I don't think I would have would have done if I hadn't have had her you know I think about her every day <laughs> all the time and also I want her to be in a household that's creative and she is like my husband's a musician. She plays drums actually as well. And she's always drawing. So I think when it comes down to everything, when everything is stripped back, it's her. It's always her. Um, 
As I sit here as a six-month pregnant woman. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> Listening to you say that, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to cry on the podcast. <laughs> I totally forgot you were pregnant. That's, oh my gosh. Oh, I can't. Well, you know, it's fucking brilliant. So it's great. I, well, I appreciate you saying that because you see so many, <laughs> so many really, and of course it's a balanced thing. It's wonderful and there's times I'm sure it's fucking hideous, oh but God, I feel yeah. like. I think it's really helpful. I think hearing anybody be like, no, it's fucking brilliant is is really encouraging and helpful. And I love that. I think there's just such a beautiful story arc with with your art and, and little girls and, you yeah. know, creativity. I think that that's so, so beautiful. Uh, I think I'm, shall I cry? And then we can record the sobbing. The last five minutes will just be us sobbing, weeping softly. I can't wait to hear how it goes as well. Because oh, he, cha- he will change the way you think about stuff. Just naturally, it will. It does. It does. And it'll change your creative output, I reckon. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And I've loved learning about what's at the heart of what you do. Thank you so much. This has been just lovely. Thank you, Rebecca. (laughs) How great is Rebecca? I feel so fortunate to have spoken with her as I think her views on creativity and art and motherhood are really important. I also love that she has a much more open and generous approach to sharing her work and art with the world than I apparently do. I think one of the main things that Rebecca's interview brought up for me was the idea that artists might not begin to connect with their art until later in life, or after a major life event like having a child, and that it's okay to have a complicated relationship with your creativity. I'd love to hear any thoughts you have on this. Give us a shout at Heart of It Podcast on Instagram. If you'd like to follow Rebecca on Instagram, she's at Rebecca Vincent Tattoo, and her book is called Tiny Tattoos, over 1,000 small inspirational artworks, and it's available online at Foils, Waterstones, and all good bookshops. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you might get your podcasts from. And you can follow us on social media as at Heart of It Podcast.